Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. First John chapter 3. If you turn to First John chapter 3. And we'll read just a few verses here, if you've got your Bible tonight. 1 John 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, Father, open the scriptures to us tonight and help our hearts to be prepared to receive the the truth and the encouragement that's found here. And Lord, we're grateful that we can be called the sons of God when we get saved. What an amazing thing that we could go from darkness to light. And uh, Lord, it's uh, it's all of your grace. Uh, Looking at the sign behind me up here uh, this evening and just thinking about it's all by grace. And it's true, Lord, and we... We rejoice in it, Uh, and we're just grateful that we can be still in a place that's free, that we can open the scriptures, and and Lord, there's no fear for our life, no fear of persecution as we gather together tonight, and with the peace that we have in that, we just ask that you'd help us to understand and learn some things and be encouraged uh, in your word tonight. I pray you'd heal the heart that may be hurting here this evening and meet the needs that we have. Lord, we are needy people, and um, there's probably a lot of things we're dealing with tonight that nobody else knows, but you know. And so, Lord, I pray that the the word of God would be a a comfort and an encouragement to us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think about this world, we think about the world that we live in. We use that term, the world. We, we, We oftentimes think about what it is. What is the world? And what we think about in the world today is problems. I gave you an update about our life the last two or three years, you know what it's been? It's been nothing but problems. And we come to church and we look at each other and we shake hands and we say a few things before the service starts, but we sit down and we open our Bible and we stare at a guy who's gonna preach the word of God to us and our heart and lives are filled with problems. This world has problems. If you've ever read through the book of Job, what do you find? You find a man that was full of problems. And as a matter of fact, Job said one of the most well-known verses, I think, in the scriptures. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Your life is filled with problems, and my life is filled with problems, and that's just the way the world is. We, we look around the world today, and we see political problems. We see social problems. We see moral problems. There's unrest everywhere. There's injustice everywhere. Listen, the world is filled with problems, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You know that these things are what the world is, and here's the point because of what the world is not. The world is full of problems because the world is not filled with the knowledge of God. That's why the problems are in the world. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to fix the problem of man. And it wasn't that he was here to solve the problems of men. Everybody came to Jesus with problems. And of course, we know that he, he fed those that were hungry at some point. We know that some that were blind were, had their sight restored. Some that could not hear and speak had that fixed for them. But Jesus didn't heal everybody's problem. He came for one overreaching problem of man. And what was that, church? It was the sin problem. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
And so these things that we find in the world, the world is this because the world is not filled with the knowledge of God. And how often do we see through the word of God, if you've read through it, that God is saying constantly through the Bible that he, he's doing certain things because he wants the world to be filled with the knowledge of him. Do you remember the story of, of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17? All of our kids should know the story, right? Well, when David is running up to Goliath, and he's about to, to swing the, the, the stone into his forehead. Here's what he said. He said, I'm going to do this that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What was the point? David said, it's not about me. It's about God. And I want this action to be so that the world will know that there is a God. And I'm telling you today, 3,000 years later, the world is still hearing this story. And it, it's a testimony to the fact that there is a God that the world doesn't know. The world doesn't know who God is. God himself said this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. He said, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. Now, what's God doing? He's trying to get the attention of the world. The world doesn't know who he is. And so the world is filled with misery and the world is filled with strife and problems. And the reason the world is that is because the world has no knowledge of God. They're not in fellowship with God. And so we come to 1 John. Now, we've skipped over the first couple of chapters, but John says this to you and I. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, John asks us to consider something tonight, and I just want you to think. Think with me. John asks us to consider the love of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You know, we have busy lives, don't we? And I wonder, have you taken time at some point in your busy life to just stop and consider the benefits of your salvation? To just take a minute and pause the busyness of your life. And I don't mean busyness in a negative way. We all have things that we have to do. You get up in the morning, you've got to go to work. You might have to leave church tonight and you've got an hour before you've got to head off to work and pull the, the midnight shift. But whatever it is in the busyness of our life, have you taken time to stop and consider the benefits of your salvation? The fact that you know God and are known of God, the benefits of your salvation. Do we ever take time to just consider this great salvation that we have? And John is saying, behold, consider with me. I'll pay attention to this truth. That's what the word behold is. It's, it's look at this thing that maybe you're not seeing in front of you today. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the, the sons of God. He's just saying, I, I want you to consider the love of God here this love of God toward us. You know, it wasn't just the fact that we were delivered from our sin. If you're saved tonight, then what that means is that you were delivered from the consequences of your sin. There was a time when, when you trusted Jesus Christ, he washed your sin away. Now, that ought to do something for your heart when you consider that, when you just take a minute to think about that. But the love of God didn't stop with just the fact that he saved you from your sin. In, in this, the love of God was manifested, right? That Jesus Christ came into the world to take our sin away. Okay, that's a wonderful thing. We see the love of God manifested in the death of his son for the purpose of saving us from our sin, but the love of God didn't stop there. And he says this in John here. He says, it wasn't just that we were delivered from our sin, but we were adopted into the family of God. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He's dumped it upon us. He, he's given it to us in his grace, uh, his wonderful grace, that we would be called the sons of God. You know, we were adopted into God's family. Okay, think about this. The God that created everything, right? The almighty God of heaven, the one that spoke 
the world into existence with a single spoken word. You know, that's what the word universe means. Uni is single. Verse is spoken, a single spoken word. That God, the almighty God of the Bible. And he loved you enough that he wanted to put you into his family. So he did that by virtue of adoption. Adoption is a legal process. God could have done it anyway, but what he chose to do was adopt us into his family. He chose to bind himself and obligate himself legally so that he couldn't get out of that agreement. He adopted us into the family of God. Romans in chapter 8, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Now in your Bible, in Romans 8, the spirit of adoption is a capital S. It's the Holy Ghost. His name is Holy Ghost. His ministry is that he is the spirit of adoption, just as he is the spirit of life. You understand? The spirit of God. This is his ministry toward us. He is the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, the only way that you and I can have access to God, where we can cry out to him as our heavenly father, is because the spirit of God adopted us into the family of God. And John is calling our attention to this. Behold, consider with me the manner of love that the heavenly father would have toward us that we could be called the sons of God. How did that happen? How did we become sons of God? He adopted us into his family. What an amazing truth. You see what he's saying? Consider this. Just stop and consider. Paul said this in Galatians 4. He said, but when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Speaking of Jesus coming from Mary, still under the old covenant made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Something different about where you and I live today. We're not under the Old Testament. We have this in our Bible, the Old Testament. But it's old. Something new is here. We live under the New Testament. And Jesus was talking about that in the upper room, wasn't he? When he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. It was the death of the testator that brought in the New Testament. And so here's what he's saying. He says, now, now because of the birth of Jesus Christ and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now we can receive the adoption of sons. Something's different. And we're partakers of that benefit. And so then we get to Ephesians. I know that you've been going through Ephesians in chapter 1. This great misunderstood word, which is so simple if you just read your Bible. Having predestinated us, Paul said, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Here's what it means. Here was the plan of God. The plan of God that is that God wanted to reconcile you to himself. And so Jesus Christ is the means of reconciliation. Jesus Christ is the bridge that gets us from our sinful condition and forgiven and accepted by God. We're reconciled to God. Isn't that what he, he did for us? Now, God had predetermined something. That word predestinated, as you probably studied together. That word predestinated is that God had predetermined the means of something. And so what he predetermined in Ephesians chapter 1 is that we would be adopted to the Father by Jesus Christ. So God predetermined that the way that you and I would get to the Father would be that Jesus Christ would reconcile us to God by adopting us into the family. It's a very simple doctrine. So don't let that get, get, uh, get you hung up on that word predestination. Sometimes we, we freak out a little bit on that word. What does it mean? Well, that's all it means. God predetermined that this was going to be the case. And he predetermined that when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we get adopted into the family of God. All right. Now, I love my dad. I've got a great dad. 
And I appreciate his friendship and I just appreciate his life, his investment in me. But my dad is not my heavenly father. And as much as I appreciate being in my physical family, I appreciate the fact that, that the God of heaven adopted me into his family. And now he calls me something different. No longer am I on my way to hell. No longer am I of a different spirit. Now I have been regenerated. I'm in the family of God. I've been adopted into it. And John is calling our attention to that. Behold what manner of love. The manner of love is the, the kind of love that was on display. And he's saying, I, I want you to consider the quality of this love. What was it that God did for us? The, the value of that love that he called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hey, listen, church, we get excited about a lot of things. We should get excited about this, that God called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And he's just asking me to stand back and marvel at that love, that we should be called the sons of God. So, you know, when we read our Bibles, it's just good in your devotional life to it's hard to do this as well, but it's good in your devotional life to just pause. Take the time to speak to the author. Take the time to open the Bible and just say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to deliberately take some time out of my day. And the best thing we could do if we had the ability is to, to start at the beginning of your day when your brain is fresh and you don't have the cares of this world that have dumped on you yet. All right? You might have your cup of coffee if you're a coffee person, but just take some time to open the scriptures and say, okay, Lord, I want you to just teach me some things. Show me some things about yourself here. And when you get to a passage like this and, and you see God saying, okay, listen, will you behold something with me? Will you just look at something here? Look at the manner of love that I've bestowed upon you. That you could be called my son. Mar marvel at that. We marvel at a lot of things. We need to get back to marveling at God. Yeah, I mean, you had the sign up here. It just caught my attention when I walked in. It's all of the grace of God. That we could be called the sons of God is an act of the grace of God, and, and he's calling our attention to that. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. These are not difficult truths to understand in the Bible. Paul said in Ephesians in chapter 5, for you were sometimes darkness. Hey, you used to be darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. It's okay from time to time to look back at what you used to be. Don't live there, but just go back and visit that in your mind and remember what you used to be before Jesus Christ saved you. Now, for some of us that were raised in church, we didn't have that kind of life back then. We, all, we knew, all we know is being raised in church. I bet there's a whole lot of you like that. But some of us got saved later in life, and we knew what we were before Jesus Christ saved us. And for those of us that were that way and we had that kind of life, you remember the pit that God pulled you out of when he saved you? It's good to go back there from time to time and just look, about, look at that and just say, God, thank you for what you did for me, that you pulled me out of that, you delivered me from a life like that. But then for us that never went through that, that were raised in church, you got the better testimony, by the way. You never lived that way. Don't be ashamed of the fact you never have some amazing testimony of you know, getting pulled out of the gutter. You gotta thank God you were delivered from that. But still, you should look at your life and say, it's, a, it's an amazing thought that I was darkness and now I'm light. Hey, let me read you. Let me read you something that Paul said about us before we got saved. You want to hear that? This is all bad, but you need to hear it. Here it is, Romans in chapter one. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, 
whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's what man used to be before Jesus Christ saved him. And God pulled us out of all of that. Hey, we sing that song, Amazing Grace, right? It really is. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And so John says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And I want you to see the consequences of that love. Would you look in your Bible with me in the, at the end of uh, verse number one? Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. You know, it's not that they didn't know who Jesus was. It's not that they didn't know who he was. It's that they rejected who he was. He came unto his own and his own received him not. They knew what he said. I'm come forth from the Father. What did they do? They picked up rocks. Jesus said, I've done many good works among you. For which of these do you stone me? What did they say? We're not throwing rocks at you for your works, but because you made yourself equal with God. And so when, when John says here, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not, it's not that they didn't know who Jesus was. They rejected who he said he was. John said in the gospel of John, as he introduces that book, speaking of Jesus Christ, he said, and the light shineth in darkness. Okay, he's talking about the beginning of the ministry of the Son of God. He calls him light, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So what does John say here when he says that the world knoweth us not? Would you look in this same chapter down to verse 13? Just look a few verses down. John says this, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. <laughs> when, the world, when he says the world doesn't know you, the world knoweth us not. You know what that means? Hey, they don't understand why we are the way we are. Whatever the world out there is doing on a Sunday night, they're not in church. And by the way, we don't expect them to be in church. They don't understand this. But they don't understand why we do what we do. They don't understand the principles that you live by. That's why if you are going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you are going to suffer persecution because you live by a different set of principles and the world doesn't understand those principles. And so John is saying, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Why don't they know us? Why don't they understand us? They can't comprehend why we are what we are. Aren't you glad that we're, we're transformed? Yeah. Do you know that, right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what, church? Hey, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's a work from the inside out. We don't have to try to manufacture something that's new. The Spirit of God within us begins to change us and change us more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world outside can't help but notice. And the world doesn't understand that. They think it's strange that you don't run to the same excess of riot that they run with, right? The things you used to do, you don't do them anymore. The world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't know you. Hey, can I say this to you, Christian? That's okay. That's a good place to be. When you are misunderstood for your faith in Jesus Christ, you know you're standing in the right place. But if the world accepts you and tolerates you and understands you and you name the name of Jesus Christ, there's a problem with your Christianity because we are different. Are you with me? We are different. I said we are a new creature. 
God gave us that terminology for a reason. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to fit in. We're supposed to stand out. Our lives are different. The world doesn't understand that. The joy we have in spiritual things is a mystery to the world. Why do you carry a Bible? Why do you thank the Lord for the good things in your life? Why would you dare go to a restaurant, order a meal, and in front of 40 or 50 people, bow your head and publicly say, Lord, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your goodness in our life. Bless the food that you've given to us today. That's a mystery to the world. What is it to us? It's just gratitude to our Father. But it looks strange to the world around us. The world doesn't understand the change of life that's so evident in my life. They don't understand that. So John says, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. You understand? The world never did have the right view of Jesus Christ. Why would you think the world's going to have the right view of you? Well, they're not. So what I'm saying to you is this is actually a net positive for us. I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm just saying as a reminder to you, don't let it surprise you when you stand out. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you stand out? I don't mean making yourself stand out. We're not freaks for Jesus. What we are is normal human beings that have been transformed by the power of God and we're living out our Christianity. We're working out. It's an outward working of our salvation and it can't help but to be noticed by the people around us. And that's the way God intended for it to be. But I want you to notice, this is not the major thought of what John's saying here. Let's just read verse number one again. Just read it with me. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And this is almost a by the way. He says, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. It's almost like John was saying, okay, by the way, let me just remind you. You're the sons of God. Your life is different. And by the way, the world doesn't understand that, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. He continues on. So look at verse number, verse number two. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All right, let's give attention to something now. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let me just speak to you tonight as friends. I don't know your life, so I don't know your heart. I don't know if you're saved tonight, but if you're saved, meaning if you put your faith and trust in the shed blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and you've trusted him for the salvation of your soul, the forgiveness of your sin, that's what I mean by salvation. If that's your testimony tonight, then you need to pay attention to this because here's what he said in verse number two, beloved. He said, now are we the sons of God. And I want you to understand the word now is there for a reason. Now are we the sons of God. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of my position before God. Now are you the sons of God. When you get saved and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are now a child of God. It is not a future event that takes place. You now become a son of God. You are now in the family of God. It's now. You are secure in that relationship. That is an eternal relationship that was given to you. We do believe in eternal security. We do believe that when you get saved, you're saved. It was not a work of man. It was a work of God. Now are we the sons of God, he said. Again, what John said in the Gospel of John 1 and 12, I think you know this. He said, but as many as received, them, received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How do you get into that family? Believe on his name. That's what he said. Now are you the sons of God. 
Paul said in Galatians 3, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. How do you get into this family? Faith in Christ Jesus. You can't work your way to heaven. We know that. There's a lot of good moral people in the world, but they're moral by their own standard. And man's standard doesn't measure up to God's standard. So what did he say? You're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There's no other way to get there. It's faith in Christ Jesus. It's not faith in good, good works, faith in helping little old ladies across the street, faith in giving you money, faith in going to church, faith in getting dunked in a baptistry. It's faith, it's faith, it's faith. Amen. That's the only way to get to heaven, faith in Jesus Christ. And he's talking about our security. You know, I struggled for a long time in my life with knowing that I was saved. I struggled with it. Years ago, I was working as a police officer down in the southern part of our state, and um, I was a city cop, and one of my good friends was, um, was a county sheriff. And so we lived a bit outside of the city, and I was just getting ready to go to work one day, and I uh, got into my patrol car, and um, sheriff car pulled up and just pulled right in front of my car, and he jumped out. And so I jumped out, and we just started having a conversation early one morning. We hadn't been married six months, I don't think. So we're having this conversation, whatever, whatever, and he's a, he went to a, more of a Pentecostal-type church, and so we were having conversations about things, and he was a good, a good guy. But we just went through and talked about things, and he could not wrap his head around the fact that you could know you're saved. He just couldn't wrap his head around it. And I'd give him verses like I'm giving you tonight. We'd just talk about it, and here's what he said. I'll never forget this. He said, he, he used to call me Tommy, right, Tommy. Tommy, I wish I could believe that. That's what he said. Okay, guys, listen. We speak the English language. Some better than others, right? But we speak the English language. We got the English Bible. I wasn't trying to interpret what God said for my friend. I just said it. I just read it from the Bible. Do you understand? You don't have to try to figure it out. You just have to believe it. And when Jesus Christ saves you from the consequence of your sin and adopts you into his family, that's an eternal relationship. You don't lose that relationship. It doesn't mean that you're suddenly a perfect person. You have a sin nature that's still going to fight against you every day until you see Jesus. But it doesn't mean you've lost that relationship. And John is trying to get our attention and say, listen, I want you to consider this. You have this amazing love that God bestowed upon you, and he's adopted you into his family. He calls you his sons now, and the world doesn't understand that, but it doesn't matter because you have a new relationship with God. And so he says, beloved, now you're, you're beloved with me. You are loved by God. And he said this in this passage. He says, uh, now are we the sons of God. Now. In this moment, you have a secure relationship with God. Paul said it this way, for, for to me to live is Christ. How could he say that? I'm secure in my relationship. I'm confident of who I am in Christ. To live is Christ. It's not a wonder about what's going to happen. You know what he said? To die is gain. If you, if you had any chance of losing your salvation, you could never say that. But you can say that. Do you understand? Guys, I'm telling you tonight, the Bible's true. Every word of this book is right. It's true. You can bank on it. Believe it. Base your eternity on what God said. For me to live as Christ, Paul said, to die is gain. I like what Jude said at the end of the, end of the book of Jude. He said, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. It's talking about God. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How could that happen? It's because it's, it's an entirely a matter of the grace and power of God. It's not you. And John is just simply reminding us, guys, now are you the sons of God. Now. 
in this very moment, the here and now. But then notice what he said in verse 2. Are you looking in your Bible there? Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. <laughs> now I look around and I see guys, you know, and every, I complain to my wife about this all the time. I, I see guys with a full head of hair and, you know, bothers me a little bit, but I see some fellow brothers in here, so, you know, we, but this is not what we're going to be in eternity. You know that, right? Now, we don't really know exactly what we're going to be in eternity. There's a little bit of speculation, but here's what we know. We know this. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but notice what the end of the verse says, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> so in heaven, it doesn't matter whether you got hair or not. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm pretty sure we're going to have it, but I'm looking forward to that. You know, I remember what it used to feel like. But I still remember the feeling. Paul said this. He says, now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I also am known. We can just see the shadows of it. Guys, God gave us some things about heaven in here. God told us in 1 Corinthians about the new body, you know, that which is, is uh, mortal is gonna put on immortality. This corruptible is gonna put on incorruption. Okay, those are wonderful verses, but you know what they are? They're just shadows. They tell us the truth about what's coming, but God doesn't explain it all. He doesn't paint the entire picture for us. He just gives us the outline. It's just enough to, to tantalize us. It's just enough to say, okay, listen, there's something great waiting on the other side. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do know. It doesn't appear what I shall be. In other words, I can't see it. I can't comprehend it. But I just know this, that when he appears, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. So the here and now, guys, doesn't really matter. We spend a lot of time on the here and now. We spend a lot of effort on the here and now. I got to make it up. I got to pamper it. I got to do this and that and the other thing. And I believe this is the only thing we have to serve the Lord with. We should take care of it, don't you? Do the best we can. But this is just temporary. I think that's why Paul said that bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, he wasn't saying don't exercise. And yeah, you can punch whoever you need to. I'll just pause a minute, all right? We can get the glaring looks at the husbands and wives. I see it happening. But um, he didn't say, don't take care of the body. But he said, you better take care of the spirit. Godliness is profitable to everything, right? So I would just say this, you know, um, be godly, but it's okay to be fit. And if you happen to be buff, well, that's a, a bonus, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but we just know this, that when he appears, we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is. Now, I want you to consider this with me. Now, I know I'm not really preaching. I'm just telling you things you already know. But Peter talked about this when he said, I won't be negligent to remind you again. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of the simple truths, don't we? The things we already know, we just need to hear it again. Now, I want you to notice this verse again with me in verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But notice this. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. When he shall appear, our blessed hope. Hey, church, listen. Jesus Christ is coming to this earth again. Now, the first part of that is what we call, what the Bible calls the blessed hope in the book of Titus. That blessed hope, the, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what is going to happen. He's going to come to the clouds. He's not going to touch the earth. 
He's going to come, and he's going to call us up to meet him in the air. Okay, this isn't a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a, a cunningly designed uh, fable for you. It's, it's the truth of God. He's coming back. And for those that are born again to put their faith in Jesus Christ, that you're a part of that family you were adopted into, you're going to hear a really loud trumpet. And I don't know if it's just going to be a single blare. I don't know if it's going to be staccato, syncopated. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of harmony in there. Maybe, I don't know. All I know is we're going to know it when we hear it. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be raised up. Now, if you're already dead, then your body is in the ground, but your spirit is in heaven with God. If you're still alive, you're here in this package somewhere. But both are going to get raised up. Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, you know what? The Bible calls that our hope. He calls it our hope. Paul said that to Titus. It's our blessed hope. It's the thing that gives us happiness. That word blessed means happy, joyful. It's something that thrills me that Jesus Christ is coming back. Why is that supposed to be hope for me? Because we live in a dark world. We live in a broken world. We're broken people. We have bodies that are breaking down. We have sin problems in our own life. We see the destruction. We see the God of this world and all that he does to destroy the world. The world is waxing worse and worse, the Bible says. We need a little hope. And so God gave us a big one. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to deliver you from that. Now, it may not happen in your day. God never said it was going to happen in your day. But he just said, I'm coming back, and you better live like I'm coming back today. So here's what I know. My body may live. Uh, my, my grandpa died at 102. I don't know that I want to live that long. But I have no choice over that, right? Unless I go to McDonald's every night. Then guaranteed, right? But here's what's going to happen. One day or the other, one way or the other, I'm going to live until I die. And if I die before Jesus Christ comes back, I'm going to see him face to face in the moment of my death. Do you believe that? For to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. That is a living truth. I, I'm hanging my hat on that truth. But I'm also just hoping that Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime. And it gives me hope. Which means I can walk out the door and I can live my life like you're going to live it this week. And I can see the brokenness of this world. There are things happening in our world today that none of us could have anticipated would ever happen in our world. The depravity, the absolute madness that's taken our world. With the gender issues, I mean, everything else. We live in a depraved and wicked world. And it's more evident today than it was 40 years ago. Like in a massive way, right? And we look at this world and we go, what is happening to the world? Well, listen, it's just happening exactly like Jesus Christ said it was going to happen. He already told us it was going to happen. Don't marvel at this. Don't be surprised at this. Hang your hat on the hope that God gave us. We need to get up every morning and renew that hope. Today could be the day that Jesus Christ comes back. It's a blessed hope. So, so John is saying, here's what we know. Now are we the sons of God. And, and by the way, we can't really see what we shall be. All we can see with the human eye is what we have been created to be now. We see bodies that have been scarred and broken by sin. And, and at best, that's all we can see. We, we see with the eye of faith the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in those, those small years that God gives us a glimpse into his life and ministry in the Gospels. We can just see a little bit about what he was and what he did and how he was. But, but we, we can just see a little bit. But John says, it doesn't really appear what you shall be, but here's what we know. When he shall appear, 
we're going to be like him. What's the point? It's not the change that he makes in me that's the greater point. The point is he's coming back. That's the point. Jesus is coming back. Now, I know that doesn't heal the hurt of your heart today. I know if you're here tonight and you're facing a tragedy in your life, you've got a real heartache, you've got a reversal, a trial. I know if those things are real in your life tonight, the fact that Jesus coming back, uh, even though that's real to you, it doesn't necessarily solve the hurt of today. But here's what it does. It just gives you hope in it. It just gives you hope. And sometimes that's all you need, just a little bit more hope today. And the hope is not this. Man, I hope that cop doesn't give me a ticket. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about. That's the way we use hope today, right? I hope she notices me. No, the hope of the Bible is a hope that is a confident expectation. Look at right here, in what God said. That's what hope is. Hope is anchored to this book. Do you see this? Do you have one of these? Hope is anchored to the word of God. It is a confident expectation that what God said he would do, he will in fact do. That's hope. And that's why God calls it our blessed hope. We're just anchoring what we are on the thing that God said to us in his word. Now, let's finish this off. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All right, now here's what that does for me. I go, okay, I have, I have been renewed now in the spirit of my mind. I have been refreshed in the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming back for me, and when he comes back for me, he's going to change me. We believe that. Okay, so let's, that's future. Hasn't happened today, correct? Wait, we hadn't, this isn't the rapture, is it? We hadn't been raptured. Right? Is Moses like heaven? Am I here? Okay, so we know that that's a future promise, but let's look at this in verse number three and we'll be done. Look at it in your Bible. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So God is saying this. Here's what I've done for you now. Here, look at me for just a minute. God says, I saved you. I put you into my family. I'm calling you my son because I adopted you to myself. And now I'm telling you this, you're secure in that relationship now. Now are we the sons of God. But then he takes a big jump to the end. And he says, and it doesn't appear what we shall be, meaning in our eternal state. We can't see what that's going to look like. We don't know. We just assume we can walk through walls. We can assume we can eat anything. We don't gain any weight. I mean, we have all these assumptions about what the eternal state is like, but we don't really know. It doesn't appear. But here's what we do know, that when he shall appear, we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is, right? That's future. So now are we the sons of God? Now we skip over the rest of our life, and and we know that Jesus is going to appear and take us to heaven. But what about the intermediary? Verse number three. Verse number three. Look in your Bible there. Here's what he says. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You know what God wants in my life today because of that? Because of the promise that I am a son of God, I will be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ one day. But in the meantime, in this life, when it matters to God in this life, he says, if you have that hope in you, you need to purify yourself. God is saying, here's what it matters in this life. Keep your life clean. 
Stay pure. Stay holy before the Lord in this life. Hey, it's easy to rejoice in the fact that one day we're going to get caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we get all excited and we kick our heels up and we rejoice in that. But the meantime, the life we're living down here, this span of 70 years, if we're lucky, God says, I want you to be holy. I want you to purify yourself. I want you to keep your life clean now. God wants your life clean. Holiness is not an option. It's a command. And if you have this hope in you, you purify yourself today. You keep your life clean. Why? Because he's pure. Because he's clean. Hey, listen, because he's worth it. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter how we feel. The lusts and desires of our flesh do not matter. What matters is what did our heavenly father say? He said, if you're living in hope of my return and your change one day, then why don't you live clean today? I want your life to be pure today. And if you have that hope, you keep your life pure. And guys, this is the challenge. You understand what I'm saying? We, this is a challenging thing. Purity in the spiritual life is not easy. It's effort. By the way, it's demanded. It's not unreasonable that God would expect my life to be clean, but it doesn't mean it's easy. That's why Paul said in the book of Galatians, if you walk in the spirit, do you know the rest of that? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That purity that he's talking about in John here demands a spirit-filled walk. It demands a yieldedness to the Lord in our life where we say, God, I have these desires and impulses of the flesh that want to draw me away from doing what's right. And, you know, sometimes we get to Romans 7 and we go, oh, wretched man that I am. But God is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk yielded to the spirit of God and allow me to live my life through you and be pure in your life today. And we have got to be determined, brethren. We've got to be determined to live a pure and holy life. We live in an impure world but this isn't the first generation that's been an impure world where God demanded holiness. Noah was perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God in an, in an entire world that was wicked. The Bible says of Lot that, Lot that he was a righteous man and he was dwelling in the midst of Sodom and it grieved his righteous soul from day to day. He was vexed with their deeds, but Lot kept himself righteous. We're not the only ones living in a wicked and adulterous generation. But brethren, in our generation, God says, here's what I want you to do. If you're living in hope of my return, keep your life clean. And it's a challenge for us, but it's a wonderful reminder of what God expects of us. And the, the challenge for us tonight is just simply this. When you walk away from any time where you hear the word of God taught or preached, all of us, we just have a responsibility to say, okay, Lord, what about this applies to me? And we just need to sit and think for just a minute, is there something in my life that's impure, that's unclean? And God is just saying, I want this thing out of your life. If you're living in this kind of hope that I'm gonna return for you and change you one day, I want you to be clean today and keep your life right before me. So brethren, if there's anything in our lives tonight, before we walk out of here, wouldn't it be good to just take two, three minutes in prayer and just say, Lord, there's something I know I gotta get right. I'm just gonna get this thing clean in my life. And every man... What does he say? That hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Thank you for listening to this message. It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.